This is a Glass Box Media Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to The Blank Podcast, the podcast where we talk to well-known people about their lives and careers and those difficult moments along the way. I'm Giles Paley-Phillips and with me today is Jim Daly. Hello, hello, hello. Um, that I need to learn that new intro because that's so much better than the old one. Uh, but uh, if, you'd, if you'd have done the thing where you nod to me during the music there and mm. uh, I had to go, I would have struggled. Reverted. Yeah, probably reverted, reverted yeah. Or tried to do the new one and got it a bit stumbled over it and got it wrong so mm. um i do need to actually probably note that down but it's, it's a very slick new intro <laughs> it's not that slick i like it it's good <laughs> it um, thank you well i think it was good to sort of just yeah just expand on the subject matter of the podcast because you know we do talk to people about their lives and their careers yeah and obviously we do delve into those difficult moments so yeah, there you go there you go i told you it's, it's perfect very slick yeah very professional how are you i'm okay the sun's shining um, feels oh, like spring useful, is isn't it? yeah. It feels like spring is on the way, which is lovely. Um, although by the time this goes out, spring will officially be here, I guess. So uh, that's nice. It's positive. Um, mm. the, the world's feeling a bit more positive at the moment, I think, with sort of news of the plans for this year and the vaccine and roadmap and all that, all those other buzzwords. Um, so yeah, I'm sort of. But you can't. You just can't compensate for just a nice bit of sunshine, can you? It really, it really, really makes a difference. Well, yeah, it's it's so important, you know, getting that vitamin D. Yeah. I mean, I've been taking vitamin D supplements. I don't know about you, I'm Jim. I'm supposed to. I am supposed to. Because we, we, we're vegetarian, mm. we're supposed to take lots of different supplements, and I never do. Mm. I'm very lazy. But, yeah, I am. Does it make a difference? I think it has, actually. My, I think Mich- uh, Michelle, my wife, has sort of said, sort of self-diagnosed, um, thinks that uh, has has a slight affection with... Um, Sad, mm-hmm. SAD, no, seasonal, yeah, so yeah, yeah. SAD, yeah, yeah um, season, seasonal something deficiency, yeah, effects, effect. I mean, we could Google it right now. Yeah, we, we, we could Google it right. anyway. But yeah, sad, yeah. Um, or SAD, and um, so yeah, so I think her mum had said that she'd started taking vitamin D, and that maybe it's something that we should probably try to do. Yeah, because you're only supposed, and you're only supposed to take it through the w- sort of winter months as well. So you know, obviously, you get that natural sunshine comes out and around springtime you sort of kind of pause taking it then yeah because you're getting that natural 
that that natural vitamin D, and then yeah, go back to taking it around sort of late autumn. Yeah, but I think yeah, I definitely think it's had a difference. I definitely, you know, I, I'm not particularly, you know, I don't particularly suffer from 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 SAD, but I think yeah, it, I definitely think our, our, our um, uh, it's really helped our moods for sure. I should take it then, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll try. I'm just I'm just not very organised. I'm just a bit, yeah. Well, I would just get some. Just go on, uh, go to your local pharmacy or um, well, health food store, super drug. You can pick some up, or just get it online. I th- no, I think we literally have it in the house. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm saying about being disorganised. Like it's literally right there. Amazing. Yeah. Well, there's me trying to help you actually purchase some. You've already got some. I'd imagine so. Miranda's very good at that well, stuff. I think you should go downstairs after you've done this and have and take I one. I should do. I should do. And I will. Yeah. And I will go downstairs. And halfway down the stairs, I will think about something else and I'll forget. And I'll get into mm. the kitchen and I'll have forgotten. I'll text you. Text me. Okay, yeah. Text me when I've yeah. got downstairs. I'll text you when I'm in I'll the get... kitchen. And then you remind yeah. me. Yeah. And then, uh, then you have to show me sort of you photographic evidence <laughs> of you taking it. The video, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's the, maybe I just, yeah. yeah, that's the way I need to actually get things done in my life. I need a mentor. You're constantly taking photographs of everything <laughs> you're taking doing. Pills, just... yeah. <laughs> Working, <laughs> writing. Mm. Oh dear. Anyway, how are you? I'm all right, thank you, yes. Um, well, I mean, yeah, liking the sunshine too, so that's um, all good. Well, someone that's brought sunshine into our podcast this week. <laughs> Do you like that one? That's good. I liked it, it's good. It's Vicky McClure. Ah, what a lovely so, person. Oh, unbelievably lovely. Yeah. Unbelievably lovely. I, I kind of knew that Vicky would be because I've had a few com- conversations with her sort of via um, Twitter and stuff just to arrange the her coming on. And just she's just so lovely and genuine. I think, you yeah. know, that's the thing. You, such a genuine person. And uh, she's got such an interesting story with regards to how she got into acting and, um, you know obviously she's extremely well known and successful now through doing things like line of duty and then the movie she's done with Shane Meadows but you know it wasn't wasn't an easy path no it wasn't um but it's interesting she's very sort of philosophical about it and we talk about sort of you know letting things go the rejections and um quite inspiring really the way she sort of deals with it all um but she's also a really nice person as well so she's very easy to talk to you know, the hour and whatever it was, hour and a half sort of flew by, really. So, um, just a lovely guest. Yeah, she even indulged you on your football metaphors. So that was any great. guest that talks about, fo- I mean, she brought football up. So, any guest that does that and allows me to then go two footed in on football uh, is o- always welcome on this podcast as well. The only thing that we didn't get to do today is uh, think of another name for the third duck on the pond up the road for me. I know. Yeah. Which will you become apparent that. when you listen to the episode as to why that comes up. But um, maybe we can get our listeners to come up with the name of the third duck. I think that would be a good... That would be great. Yeah, any anybody listening who can come up with a good duck name. Yeah. With a with a soap opera slant. Um, well, no. Well, it doesn't have to be. Just anything punny. So there's two... What were the names of the other? So is it Vera Duckworth? Vera Duckworth. Which is quite an obvious one. Very obvious, yeah. And then Duck Rogers yeah. is the other one. Um, so anything else. Just punny. Anything punny. Doesn't have to be duck. Could get the word mallard in there, you know. Mallard's harder, harder. though, isn't it? Yeah, it's harder. Yeah. Or Bill, Bill could be Bill, someone. Bill, Bill, Bill Feathers. 
I'm just work- <laughs> I'm just workshopping this. So yeah, it's not going well. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll open it up to the listeners. I think I'm probably better at this kind of thing than I am. Um, but anyway, it was a fantastic chat with Vicky. Um, she was very. She indulged us a lot with um, football metaphors, conversations about ducks. Um, <laughs> but it was a fantastic conversation about her her life and career. And um, yeah, it's a brilliant, brilliant talk. So thank you, Vicky, for coming on. We should probably do some messages from our listeners before we dive in. We should. Um, I've got one here from Lou- at Louise Owl. She says, um, as a podcast virgin, I chose Blank Pod. Hearing a fellow Geordie, Jill Halfpenny, give, gave me inspiration, backed up my own feelings of self-esteem, how I don't need to be good at everything and that being yourself is enough. Absolutely. That was another fantastically lovely guest that we had on recently. Brilliant guest. Yeah, I loved talking to Jill. She was fantastic. Um, I'm going to give a big shout out to um, someone I know in Seaford, Joel Pivoto, um, mortgage broker. He is a fantastic guy and he stopped me in the street the other day. He was, came out of his um, the building where his company is and just said how much he's been loving listening to Blank Pod. Amazing. And um, particularly Kevin, Kevin Day one and the Mike Fenton Stephen ones he pointed out and it was very complimentary. So that was very lovely. It did really G me up that day. I had a a spring in my step after talking to Giles. That's really nice. And also, he is a fellow Crystal Palace fan. So that's, you know, officially a legend. Good in our book. Officially yeah. a legend. What, what a so thanks, man. Joel. That's really good. Top man, Joel. Thank you very much. It's nice to get, um, we love getting the tweets, but it'd be nice if we can get back to, once we're all allowed to be out and about, in-person recommendations, you know, or yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah, yeah. I'd love the idea of being stopped in the street and someone saying they like the podcast. I mean, that doesn't, it's never happened around here yet, but also I don't really leave the house. Um, yeah, but Steve the Juggler is going to start listening soon, I think. Yeah, I wonder if his name is Steve. I, I'm going to find out. I'll find out what his name mm. is and I'll, and I'll let you know. Um, People will be on tender hooks for the next episode. <laughs> what is the Juggler's name? It's going to be more enthralling than the, Nine of the Juicy. Quest, yeah, <laughs> well, the question is, how do I... I don't want to interrupt him. So that's the main issue here. Mm. But I have seen him stopped actually a few times chatting to people. So maybe I'll sort of catch him when he's stopped and not juggling and then I'll ask him what his name is. But... Um, I'll work on it. I'll get back to you. Yeah, good work. Well, in the meantime, I think we should probably listen to <laughs> to our brilliant guest, Vicky McClure, on the Bank Podcast. <laughs> Nobody knows what this is going to feel like, look like what it's going to consist of. Um, I think the youngsters are going to pave the way because, you know, they are less at threat. And I think when we see them all out and about doing their thing, it will give everybody confidence. Mm. And, you know, by that point, people will be vaccinated and feel safer. Um, But, you know, in terms of the community and how that feels, we've just been so driven by that, haven't we, with everything that everybody's been doing for the NHS and and just for your neighbour. yeah, I'm like, yeah, I really hope it just continues because I suppose in some ways you go, because I always thought, God, we're lucky. We've never been through a war mm. in in the same way with the First World War, the Second World War. I never thought, I always thought, no, there's never a chance for us to go through something of that ilk, something like this. And now we have, you kind of go, anything's possible. Mm. Be really grateful because we don't want to go back to that again. So I think people might be more cautious for sure. Yeah. I think so. You do You do kind of, in a way, get that. I mean, obviously, we didn't live through the war, so we'll never understand what it's like. And 
actually there's a program on the other night that my mother-in-law was watching about sort of the blitz and surviving it and it, it sounded unbelievably bleak and horrendous and it was horrible and it really sort of gets my back up when politicians use like the blitz spirit and you think you don't, you don't even know mm. what it was like to have like, yeah. been through that but I do in a way as you're saying sort of kind of get the community side of it when people talk about like maybe how the communities came together through the war to help each other we've we've had a, we've had a slice of that we haven't had the same sort of thing but I think we, we've had I'm, I'm yeah. starting to understand a know, bit of like what that is like. I spoke to my, cause my grandparents, my dad's mum and dad are still alive. They're 95 and 96. I mean, wow, they're just, amazing. they're like robots. Wow. They're amazing. <laughs> um, but I spoke to them and said to them, well, you know, is it, I remember sort of at the start of it going, is it like the war? And my nonna was like, the, the thing about this is we can't be with each other. And when they were going through the war, they, that was what that was all about, was mm. being with each other and nipping next door and being able to give somebody a cup of sugar or, you know, going to sit with a friend because all the all the men were at war and having yeah. that sort of, like, community around them was what got them through. And so what was really tough with this is all of a sudden, you know, you're stripped of that and having people there to hold you up. So, you know, in some ways she was like, that's that's been really tough. Yeah. Yeah, we sort of are connected. We've got Zoom and stuff, so we are in a way connected, but it's not not the same. Like you miss being with someone. I took my daughter out for a walk, same place I run, a little walk, and there's a little duck pond. So we always go and look at the duck. Are the ducks in today? I've 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 named them uh, Duck Rogers and Vera Duckworth <laughs> so far. And then there's a new one. There's there's a there's like there's like a love triangle. So the new mallards turned oh, up. And like we went up yesterday, and they were literally like. The lady duck and the other duck were like doing a thing, and the mallard was coming up, and the other duck was going around, like spinning around, going like, "You, you look at my bird, what are you doing, mate?" <laughs> and then that duck was like, "No, no, no, I'm fine, no, I'm fine." Went round, he went back, and then he'd, he'd sort of circle back and come back again. It was like EastEnders. It was, it was just like, <laughs> it's like EastEnders. I've got two pigeons them. that come to my garden. We've we've named them Mick and Mick and Keith. <laughs> excellent yeah excellent just I haven't named there. the third duck yet. If you've got guys got any suggestions for the third duck, I haven't. Uh, haven't named him, but in my mind, he's like a bad boy. He's like a sort of bad boy bruiser who's come to like, like Dirty Den type sort of thing. Or more like yeah. the Mitchell brothers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it needs a duck. Needs a duck in there somehow. So. That's something to work yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll come up with we'll something. We'll workshop it. But anyway, I went up there the other day and there was a there was a nice older lady sat on the bench and it turns out she's a neighbour of friends of ours around the corner. And we had a really nice chat about lockdown, about TV. She just watched It's a Sin. I'd watched It's a Sin, so we talked about Who it's hasn't a sin. watched It's a Sin? I know. I know. Well, it was the day after the final episode. So oh, we really? Like, I binged the whole like thing. Mm. I just went... Well, yeah, I we waited. Yeah, I couldn't but... help myself. It's so good. But anyway, it was just nice having that connection with them, with someone who I hadn't met before. Her name is Sally. Hi, Sally, if you're listening. She's probably not. Um... And it was just really nice. And I came home and I told my, told my wife, I would have met this lady, Sally. So she's a bit like, why are you out with <laughs> other ladies? <laughs> but it was nice having that connection with someone and just make, making new friends and chatting and someone in the same boat as you. And just, there was yeah. really, but, but being with them, you know, not over Zoom, like actually being. Yeah, we had a, a, similar, a similar thing with um, VE Day. So that was kind of like a weird a weird stage in the lockdown. We was very much in lockdown, but you know, people could yeah. you know, we was on the we was on the street and we'd done the clap on the Thursday. And then we shouted across the road to each other saying, "Oh, you know, is anybody doing anything for VE day?" And they were all like, "Yeah, why do we sit on the end of our drives?" 
And yeah. it just happened to be my birthday as well. Oh, so I yeah. was like sneakily <laughs> trying to create a, a bit of a, a bit of a vibe on the road. <laughs> I didn't tell them. I thought, oh no, let's just, you know, pretend it's just for that. And it was amazing. It was boiling hot. The weather was amazing. Mm. Everybody was sat on the end of their drives. You know, everyone was really careful. I live on, you know, a street that's, um, you know, mostly sort of like older people. Mm. Um, so everyone was being really cautious. But it was just brilliant. You know, everyone had a drink and brought out little bits and bats that they could to sort of tart the place up. And yeah. I got to say, I think I knew like three of my neighbours. Um, and now I know the whole street. You know, yeah. we genuinely just got to know each other and it's been lovely. And there has been those times when you see each other and it's a big deal. Yeah. Usually you yeah. just give them a quick wave and sort of on you go. But um yeah, it's great. It's been it's been lovely for that. I feel really lucky to live on, you know, what I now know is a really friendly street. I'm exactly mm. exactly the same. And I now I've met Steve around the corner who's got he's either the one that's got two daughters or one son, I can't remember. But anyway, kids similar age to our to our daughter. So it's been yeah, really nice. It's like making have you ever seen the movie um I Love You Man with um oh, J- Jason Johnny's bringing me name? something here. What's oh. that? Coffee. Oh, thank you. I've got a tea and a coffee now. Excellent. What a legend. You're getting caffeinated <laughs> up. You'll be buzzing. Dude. Live. <laughs> My God. Won't take you long to come up with a name for the third day. Hang on. Let me, let, let me just see what happens if I do that. <laughs> I do. Oh, bless him. No, no. Nothing. How disappointing. <laughs> Don't get that kind of service. Um, anyway, it was like the lo- movie I Love You, Man. I don't know if I've, you've seen that. Who's in it? Jason... Isn't Paul Rudd in that? from... Paul Rudd and Jason. Oh, I don't think I've seen guy. it. Jason who? Jason Schwartzman? It's... No, who's the guy that's in um, that sitcom? Fucking hell, Jim. <laughs> this is a brilliant anecdote. Uh... <laughs> anyway, he... Paul Something Rudd's else for character... us to work on in a bit. Bloody <laughs> hell. My memory, my... Come on, engage that internal this... Google, mate, and see if you can remember. Paul... I'll get there. Later on in the pod, I'm going to shout out Jason, whatever his name is. Um, Paul Rudd's character in that is like, Donovan, no, not Jason Statham. Can, can you imagine Paul Rudd and Jason Statham in a movie? Together? I think, <laughs> think it's a brilliant movie. idea for a film to have those two as star. <laughs> anyway, Paul Rudd's character is like forty, and he's got no male friends, and he meets this guy, and they become friends. And that—that's kind of what I feel like at the moment, because like, I'm thirty-six, but I'm starting to meet new dad friends around the road, and it's really, really nice. Yeah. I don't think you ever stop wanting to make friends like that. So, um, yeah, it's been. We've got to take the good, haven't we? Yeah. There's been so much, yeah. so yeah. much sad, sort of scary yeah. times. There's got to be some good coming out of it. Yeah, yeah. Totally. It's Jason Seagal, by the way. Ah, that's, that's the it. guy. Yeah. Who was in that sitcom? How I Met, How your, met mother. your Mother. Yeah. Yeah. How did I forget right. that? Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Vicky. We're not normally no, this. I'm enjoying this. this I would say it's not normally like this. Chaotic, I'm making but it notes, is exactly, you know, for things that I need to work on after. I know duck, duck, duck puns. Um... With my tea and my coffee, I'll be ready to go. <laughs> but it's interesting about like oh. Nottingham. I was saying to Jim before we came on air that I've had a I've had a couple of times in Nottingham. One was one was great, where my band got to play at the Rock, Nottingham Rock City. Oh, the famous Rock City. The famous yeah. Rock City. So, um, I was saying to Jim, we were we were supposed to be supporting the Eels, and then um, they decided that they they bought their own support act, and it was a mime artist, which oh. which is quite unusual at a rock gig. 
Um, I was about yeah. to say, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. No, it was. What were they miming? Were they miming? To no, literally to just the kind of French mime kind of thing. Oh, it was really? absolutely bizarre. Anyway, but we had a great gig there and it was fantastic. <laughs> and then the other time I'd been there was um, to do a book signing at the Waterstones and they'd ordered so much stock of my book and it was pissing down with rain and no one came. Oh, we, no. didn't sell, we sold no. one book. Um <gasps> We held one, one book. book. And I oh, thought, no. and I was just looking at these I'm stacks. I'm so sorry. No, no, it's not. Well, I'm not blaming Nottingham for it. The people of Nottingham probably knew best to not come out in horrible Scared weather. Scared of the rain. Yeah. But <laughs> I just remember seeing these stacks of books and thinking, oh, God, they're all going to get sent back. And anyway. To what you needed, what you needed was a my Yeah, I know. That would have been perfect. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, but I have a lot of affection for Nottingham. Obviously, you've lived there all your life. You've, you, you, I know you had spent some time in London and you've gone back there. But it's interesting you saying about like that community thing. Is that part of why you like being there, though? Um, It's not even, it's weird. It's like, I just don't feel the need to move. And it's not, you know, I love Nottingham and I, I what happens is when you get older, you start to want to look, well, for me, you know, I'm sure some youngsters are more interested than I was when I was younger, but I just got to that age where I'm like more intrigued about my roots and, mm. you know, the history mm. of not only my family, but, you know, the history of um, my city and just lots of things. You just become way more intrigued, I think. Um, but actually, the reason I've stayed here, one was because, to begin with, financially, there was just no chance of me getting out of nottingham to go and you know live in obviously london because that's predominantly where majority of my industry is sort of Mm. um you know that's the hub of hub of the industry and it was just you know just way too expensive and then i've just got my family here i've got my mates you know my my best friends and my friends from school um i've obviously made best friends and really really special friends from the industry but we're all kind of very accepting that everybody lives all over the shop mm. and everybody lives very sort of chaotic lives. You kind of go where the work is. So when I'm not working and I come home to Nottingham, because sadly, and I'm trying to change this, you know, little by little, there's not an awful lot that goes on here in terms of filming and the mm. industry. So when I come here, I kind of do stop. You know, it's not, it doesn't feel quite like I'm still working. Whereas when I go to London, it's just you know head down arse up mm. <laughs> just you know relentless. go for your life and it is relentless mm. and I don't dislike that yeah. but it's um it's not something I could do for a lifestyle it's not it wouldn't really fit my lifestyle and like I say I just you know my sister and my nephews are down the road mum and dad are down the road um and that's kind of how I like it so it's not a choice thing at first it was just the way it was and now I'm just like yeah we're very happy here Johnny's made you know Johnny's Welsh and was living in London when we first got together and I did go and live there with him for a bit and sort of kept gently saying I can't do this just so you know Um, but come and see what Nottingham's like Mm -hmm. and you know he came and just made friends very quickly he he just went off to a football match on his own one day and I was like that's a bit strange um (laughs) And then he came back and he was like, yeah, met this person, met that person, created, you know, a sort of pool of friends. And now he works for Forrest and, you know, it's just all kind of like worked out luckily. So, yeah, no plans to move. 
Uh, I, I find a way on most episodes in this pod to crowbar football into it, so I'm so glad that you've done it for me. <laughs> I don't mind doing football chat. Easier. I am, you know, I do live live and breathe it with Johnny here. Are you so. more of a forest are or you, county? Are you, are you forest then? Yeah. Yeah, I'm county mm. um, oh. because I like the underdog. Yeah. Mm. And actually, when Johnny asked me that question when we first got together, because football is, you know, his religion, um, <laughs> he was like, oh, who do you support? And I was like, oh, I don't really know. And then I said, he started talking to me about Forest and County. And then I started listening and going, oh, that's interesting. The oldest football league club in the world and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and it just appealed to me more. Majority of my family are Forest, but my granddad is is County and always has been. And I don't know, I just sort of picked my side. And now Johnny's like, oh, <laughs> if I'd have known that I was going to be a director at Forest. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's a bit of a running joke in Nottingham. There's, you know, that kind of, there's not a rivalry between Forest and County because they're usually in quite different yeah. leagues. But, yeah. you know, the, the the rivalry is definitely Forest Derby, which is happening today. Yeah. Mm. So Johnny's is it? pacing himself, yeah. Um, but I do love both clubs because I've met all the miracle men. I'm very lucky to have, you know, experienced both clubs and watched them play a lot of times. And just, you know, it's not about that for me. I'm not that interested to the point where I mm. get sort of like, you know, stressed about it. To be fair, you are literally wearing black and white stripes right I know, now. So yeah. should have seen it. You should have seen, seen it coming. It. Exactly. <laughs> the clues were there. <laughs> no, I, um, for it, I mean... I've never seen County play. I don't think I've been to. I've been to see Forest a few times. We're, we're Crystal Palace fans. So oh, okay. That's, um, How are you doing? I wouldn't know. <laughs> we're doing all right. Fine. We're doing all right. Are you doing, you're doing all right? Okay. Fine. Yeah. Well, we just we literally just beat our arch rivals two one on Monday night with the last kick of the game, having had two touches in their box all game, both of them goals. Yeah. So Ooh. the very definition of a daylight robbery, <laughs> and we were awful all game. So in, we should be riding yeah. high, really. A win's a win, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. A win's a win, especially in... Goals count. That guard, yeah. But as, uh, a f- football I find fascinating. I mean, I've obviously been in football all of my life. My dad was a Palace fan, so I had sort of no choice, really. Um but it, I've met so many friends through football, and I'm same as same as you and Johnny because I'm we moved out. In my, we're literally in my wife's house that she grew up in, and we met when, we, when I was in London. She moved in, into the flat in London with me. Didn't work out. We moved out here. Realized we could buy a place. Sort of money goes further, and so I've come out here not knowing anyone, and I've had to make friends. But I've made loads of friends through football. Really yeah. joined a football team. <clears> made some mates. I've become really good mates with my personal trainer, which is weird because now I sort of like pay him to be my friend in a way but you know I get the personal train a bit as well so that's fine um but you, football for me always there's such a social side of it and I guess that's why we struggle at the moment because we can't go yeah. to games and see people but it really does bring people together I agree I'm I'm a big football fan um and a lot of it because of the social side of it even from such a young age so Johnny does a show on talk sport um where he brings in people from the non-sporting world to talk about their love of football or who they support and why and you know, asking all the quirky questions like what do you wear and what was your first memory and um, just picking your team as a youngster and going to games with your dad or your mom or whoever, you know, it's um, their memories that are sort of like yeah. quite sort of steeped inside of you. And there's a there's an atmosphere. I mean, I've been to some games. I went to a game in Barcelona, Barcelona versus uh, Espanyol. Wow! And it was wow. it was like ninety thousand people, yeah, and I'm crazy, not even it? joking. 
Johnny was inside. We was in like you know that nice little posh bit, which very lucky to be in. But um, Johnny was inside having a beer. I was actually watching the match and going, "What on earth? This guy's incredible!" And then run inside, and I was like, "Johnny, you've got to come. You've got to come and see this. There's this player. He's amazing." It was bloody Lionel. It was messy. <laughs> Whoa. And I, was, I had no idea. I was just like, wow, this is a really good game. And he was like, Jesus, Vicky. Um, I went to I went to uh, the Euros when Wales were through to the Euros. Um, and oh, amazing. Went, to, went yeah. to a match there and that was incredible. Um, actually accidentally booked us into the same hotel that the team were staying at. Amazing. I mean, you couldn't write it. It was a real, um, it was a real torch. So that was, you know, I've had some really, really amazing experiences. Um, but not just that, like grassroots football. You know, when I was young, I danced and it really gave me discipline and, you know, sort of timekeeping and just the, the discipline that you need as a child. And I think football mm-hmm. has a really similar way of doing that. Yeah. So it'll be great. My nephews are, you know, especially my older nephew, Kai, he loves his football, you know, and it's fitness and it, it does do, it does tick a lot of boxes for people. You know, you've got to learn to lose as well, enjoy the win, mm. you know. Absolutely. Work as a team. Yeah. People. Yeah, I was going to say to I you I did that. love that football match the other day, mm. I've got to say. I can't remember who it was, um, but where they were playing and all the houses were like right on oh, the Oh, yeah, pitch. yeah. That was amazing, wasn't it? It, it was, was cup, amazing. FA cup game, wasn't it? Yeah, Tottenham. I watched the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. It was Spurs away at that team in Liverpool. Oh, what are they called? Um, Your brain's not so good I'm today, gonna, is I'll it, Jim? It. <laughs> it was a team in Liverpool. It was a Liverpool non-league team. My brain is awful today. Yes. I told you I woke up feeling like... An old person. There you go. And You've not had enough sleep. Yeah, That's what exactly. It is. Yeah, it must. But be anyway, enough. I just yeah. found it fascinating. I, yeah. Things like the little moments like that, they sort of like you know shake it up a bit. Yeah, it's brilliant. I'm going to say to you because obviously, yeah, dancing was a big part of your life when you were younger, wasn't it? it wasn't acting? I mean, acting came later, but dan- was was dancing yeah. the the thing you were really focused on earlier in your life? Yeah, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, my sister was. She was. She's two years older than me, and she'd started at the like local dance school. Um, and I used to go with my mum to pick her up. And I just remember sort of like you know looking through the curtains, watching the sort of last ten minutes of the class, and just being like, I want to do it. And then I could start on my th- when I was three. So I started on my third birthday, started doing ballet, and then that was it. I wanted to do tap and modern and everything that they could throw at me. I just really. Um, you know, I, I, it sounds kind of, when I say this, it sounds like I'm an attention-seeking, like, overconfident person, but I enjoyed the attention. Mm. You know, I enjoyed performing for my mum and dad because that's about as, you know, that's about the length and breadth of it. Um, but I did. I just always loved sort of prattling about and dancing was a real sort of, you know, got rid of all that kind of energy. And I was I was good. I mean, you know, I was never like... I auditioned for the Royal Ballet, but... Um, I didn't get in. I'd love to. I'd love to look back and find out, sort of like exactly what what didn't work out for me. I know that they do like a body medical, and my ankles aren't very sturdy, and obviously going on point was um, going to be problematic. But I'm sure there was other things. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was some failed ballerina. I was. I was decent, but the acting definitely sort of distracted me from sort of the age of eleven, twelve onwards, because that's when I started at the workshop. And that just completely turned my head because it was such a unique place that dancing was like really rigid, quite, again, strict, disciplined, um, 
you know, and then I go to the workshop and do like some improvisation about something really dark and I could swear. And, you know, it was like <laughs> two very polar opposite sort of um, hobbies to have. And then, yeah, I just kind of tried to do both. I went to audition for Italia Conte and I got in there because that seemed like the the obvious decision. Go to a stage school, you mm. can do it all. Mm. Um, but again, it was, you know, the sort of the cost of those places is ridiculously high. And for all the trying, we just never really got round to, to it, which is fine because I look back now and go, thank God, because mm. I'm really chuffed that I managed to meet people like Shane and, you know, the career that I've got is way beyond what I expected to get. So... I don't look back and regret, but it, it's good. Again, it's that thing. I was 14 when you told you've got him, but you can't go. It's like, oh, God. Oh, it's crushing, Oof. isn't it? But yeah. you've, you've also, you know, I've really learned how to deal with rejection in a big way, I think. So I've had a lot of it just because that's the nature of the acting game. You know, you just can't get every job you go for. So I'm quite used to it now. Quite thick skinned, I think. Well, that's too big. Two big things to have at an early age, you know, obviously the dancing, maybe not working out and then having, you know, like thinking that you've got to that place that, that you know, the, the kind of mecca of, of a, a stage school and then not being able to do it for whatever reason, you know, obviously for you, it was to do with like the finances and everything. And that's, you know, that's hard enough anyway. But to have those two kind of big moments quite early in your life, that's, that's quite difficult, I should imagine, to try to deal with. Especially when you're a teenager, which is a horrible time yeah. anyway. Yeah. Isn't it? Do you know what? I don't, I, don't, I genuinely mean it when I say it. I didn't really get an awful lot done in terms of the education just because I was so distracted with dancing yeah. and acting. Like yeah. it wasn't that, I wasn't trying. It was just, I had something on every night after school. I was a mm. busy kid. So it was hard to try and concentrate on all three. But I had an amazing time at school. My friends and just, the, you know, the <laughs> the stuff that we got up to was great fun. It's like I had a lovely time. So I don't recall feeling like completely heartbroken because I was so distracted with other things. And also, you know, aware that my mum and dad were dead supportive. It wasn't mm. that they weren't trying to, they weren't pushy to the point where they were like, you must do this. And they weren't you know they never disregarded what I wanted to do they were really supportive so I knew that if I could have done something they'd have done everything in their power to have tried to have got me mm. there um but you know I am a great believer in what's meant for you will come to you and it's it's all right saying that at 37 you know try telling that to a 17 year old and it's just like oh my life mm. you know why does everything <laughs> go wrong and I get it because you do feel like that. You do want things to speed up and then you start to get to an age where you're like, oh, wished I'd not sort of wished it away too quick. But, you know, I hope sometimes the message does get through to youngsters that those things that don't work out, there is usually a really good reason for it. Um, mm. And I suppose, that you know, given that people allow ask me for acting advice and how do you get into the industry, it's like, I don't know. Mm. You know, I've started to get to a point now where I'm really scumped at how to answer that because, yes, you can go to a drama school um, and it's amazing. You know, lots of opportunities, um, not an experience I've experienced, so I couldn't tell you too much about what that's like. But, you know, I heard enough people that have come out of it and been successful, but then it's not the be all and end all. It's not the only way. And, you know, if you give people just one option... And they haven't got the funds for that option because, you know, that stuff does sort of grate on me a lot that money mm. defines the yeah. opportunities that people get. 
you know, and going back to football, it's like kids start football, it's not that expensive and they might get scouted and found and then before you know it, they were just, you know, there's so many sort of footballers that will talk of being a working class kid and then all of a sudden they're on however many millions. It's yeah. like um, there's got to be more opportunities for actors in a similar kind of vein, you know, not about the making millions, but just getting the opportunity to be seen and be heard, I guess. But yeah, to keep it on the football team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's. Um, in the same way that there are still plenty of footballers who don't get picked up as an, at an academy or make it as a kid and then go into non-league and then work their way up, like Jamie Vardy, Ian Wright back in the day. You know, I guess in a way, if you're a kid and the acting isn't working out for you when you're younger or you can't get into stage school, you've still got time. Yeah, you've oh still God. got loads of time and things can happen really quickly and things can change. You can meet the right person, you can be seen by the right person and... You know, just because you haven't got somewhere at a certain point in your life doesn't mean it's time to give up. I mean, no. you've still and that's got the great, so much that's more the, time than you think. The big difference between football and acting is, you know, football's got a slightly shorter yeah. sort of shelf life in mm. terms of, um, you know, the players. Whereas acting, you you know, you can only look at God, some of the real A-listers, some of the real Hollywood A-listers that started in their 40s. Mm. You know, yeah. started really, really late on. Um and still made it and it's about try- I think what you know one thing that the lockdown has taught a lot of people is how to be creative because we've not had opportunities to be out and about that it's meant people have started to go right sod it I'm going to write or you know I'm going to join this class or I'm because of this technology we've got people have really managed to get out of there mm. sort of um, get out there and do what it is they've always wanted yeah. to do because they kind of can do it in the sort of safety of their own home and just escape and see what it is that they want to do. So I, I hope it has created more opportunities for people, especially given that we can audition like this now. You know, mm-hmm. auditions for me were expensive. Mm-hmm. Like, And if you're working and, you know, they go, my agent could ring me before, not my agent now, but back in the day I'd go, oh, you know, you've got a meeting tomorrow. It's really important you go and meet this casting director it's like oh okay I'm not really that fond of you know doing footballers wives but okay I better go and meet this Mm. this casting director that means I've got to take a day off work unpaid and pay for the train fare and you know try doing that for years on end it's really expensive whereas if I could have done it like this it'd cost me nothing yeah Mm. Yeah. (laughs) so I hope this is you know going to sort of break a few boundaries because I think, yeah, I think you're right. Because you were still working after you, even after you'd done This Is England. Is that right? You were still kind of working full time, were you? Yeah, I worked in an office um, for eight years and I finished, I left when I started, when I'd got This Is England 86. Mm-hmm. So when I was doing This Is England, the film, I just took six weeks off unpaid and anything that kind of came in, it was just, you know. I'm acting, and the, the funny, the funny thing is, is bless them, like they were brilliant. You've got, you know, it's really tough to find an employer that's going to be happy yeah. to let you sort of like go off and be, you know, what are you doing this time, and then turn up back with a skinhead, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, it was great because they were, they were really, really supportive. Sometimes it was hard because you go oh, I'm going for an audition and it's for this and it's for something really massive. And I couldn't help telling people, this is some of the advice that I've given out recently, which is 
kind of if you can keep it to yourself or just to the like a small pool of people because I get to the office and then a week later they'll be like oh did you get that part and it's like no they haven't said yet yeah. so I'm obviously still in the run and it's like no. I know I didn't get it <laughs> you know and also sometimes they never let you know so it's mm. just that never-ending sort of I can kind of take the rejection myself. It's the telling other people yeah. that makes you feel like you've you've you know messed up or embarrassed and failed and all that kind of stuff. It's like you can take it yourself. It's the having to sort of like share it with other people um, yeah. that was the hardest part. But yeah, what other other people sort of in a sweet kind of way being supportive almost get more offended for you if you don't get certain roles or gigs or jobs whereas actually as you say you've learned to deal with it over the time but yeah if I tell my mum I've got a casting for anything she will get so excited even if it's just like an, a crappy advert and which I won't get and then she'll get really excited did you get that thing no I haven't heard back yet oh do you think you might get it well probably not but I don't you know whatever and yet actually I've 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 gone past it I've thrown yeah. it away like whatever but mum is like so excited about it it's just you're right I think sometimes you've got to keep it to yourself until you actually get something because it's a supportive thing that comes from like friends and family, but yeah. they will get more invested than you do. I remember um, it was a bit like a friends moment when we was at the BAFTAs a good few years ago now, and I was up for a BAFTA. I think it was for This Is England '88, and Johnny was sat next to me, and the camera did that thing where you know it's sort of waiting for your reveal face, and I didn't <laughs> win, and Johnny just looked fuming. <laughs> <laughs> And like, I kind of love him for it because, you know, you'd be lying if you said, if you're in the running, if you're yeah. in the running, you've got a chance. Yeah. So you've always got that tiny, tiny bit of hope that, yeah, you know, it could, like, it's not impossible because, yeah. you know, it's one in four chance. Mm. Um, but I'd be the same if it was him. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I think I'd really struggle to be like, oh. <laughs> like, that, what, did you, what face did you do then? I think he just was like... No, what did well, he, like shaking his head, you know, like just, oh. really, just yeah, really, not like not like kind of like, oh, like this. No, it wasn't. And the thing, this is it because he did it. I don't think he realised. Yeah, you know that it was the camera was there and on him. I think he was just sort of. It wasn't over the top. It was just very genuine. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just not happy. And what did you? What <laughs> you face know, did you do? Know. Oh, I did that. Oh yeah, yeah of course, of course, <laughs> of course. It wasn't for yeah, me. Yeah. Of course, it was for them. Yeah. <laughs> we playing kisses, playing kisses to the winner. Yeah. Oh God! Play the game. Jeez. Play the game. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But I was going to say, like, obviously Shane Meadows was a, you know, it's been a huge part of your sort of early career, um, and 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 later career as well. I mean, his. I've always been a huge fan of his work. I mean, I, I think I was again. I was saying to Jim before we came on that I watched Dead Man's Shoes in the cinema, I think, and then I went and saw, um. I went and saw This Is England as well at the Duke of York's in Brighton and just gut punched to the stomach, really, that film. I mean, it's yeah. just incredible. And it, and I was saying to Jim as well, it feels like almost... Because um, of, of the way that it's performed and everything, it's so real. And, you know, there's that, there's something about real life that is almost more compelling, you know, than, you know... I'm, I mean, I love Con Air, but, you know, like... <laughs> you know... <laughs> I can't. I love Conair. Yeah, I love Conair, but I, I, I you know, um, I, I think there's something. What a gear change, wasn't it? No, 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 no. I thought I'd no. a bit. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, there is something incredibly compelling about um, Shane's movies. And I think um, 
because they have they they just feel so real. Did did you was there a lot of workshopping for those characters? Did you do rehearsing before you got into doing those? Yeah, right? you do. We do. We do loads, and it's all really like um, unique. You know, it's not like oh, let's run that scene again. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it's not really dialogued. Like the script, the the script. Sorry, has got dialogue in it. Mm-hmm. So Shane and you know Jack, if Jack has co-written it with them, they've wrote dialogue, and the dialogue's brilliant. Like you could shoot it tomorrow as it is, and it'd be incredible. But there's things that you nick. You go, oh, I'm having that line. I'm going to make sure I remember that. Mm. But there's, you know, there's just that freedom there, and you kind of can't do that. You can't improvise if you've not got a backstory. Yeah. You can't improvise if you've not worked out who you are. And so what we do is we kind of be let out into the wild. So me and Joe Gilgan, who played Woody, we went. Um, and you've not got cameras with you. There's nobody with you. They're just trusting that you're going to, you know, go out into Sheffield on your own and be your characters and get to know one another in character. So we went to book a holiday on a barge. Um, How amazing. Which <laughs> was just hilarious and stupid because obviously we weren't going to actually go on this holiday. Uh, but we was just humouring these people in the shop. They had no idea what was going on. And then we went to uh, a restaurant and had a pizza and a bottle of champagne. And I came back like pissed. And I was like, oh, my God, I've ruined it. I'm going to get fired. Like, you know, I've done the worst thing you can possibly do. I'm I'm at work and I'm pissed. And um, Shane loved it because he was like, well, that's exactly what Lola Muddy would have done. And um, Stephen Graham went out and, you know, his character was um, homeless at this point. Mm. So he was sort of on the streets and... Johnny Harris went out with um, Catherine, who played my mom, and Chanel as a family. And there was lots of sort of like strange, there was those kind of things that was going on. And then in the room, um, it was about improvising with people that you don't really spend a lot a lot of time with. So I was doing improvs with like Gadget, uh-huh. which is great because, you know, me and Gadget can ask each other questions that we've got to try and find the answers for that we wouldn't normally mm. have. So it's unique. It's all that kind of stuff. We listen to a lot of music. Um, and it's just the most surreal experience. I mean, you know, we've done that show from the film to the to 90. That is like a hell of a lot of hours mm. playing mm. lol, whether it's in front of the camera or in a rehearsal room or just sitting down having a pint machine and talking things through. Um, you know, there's there's... It's no surprise that the authenticity in that show is, you know, sort of really obvious mm. to see because everybody's lived and breathed it for such a long time now. That's yeah, fascinating. Very lucky. That's really fascinating. What a process! And that, yeah. that was. I mean, this is England. Was your second gig? Is that right? Second. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I sort of. I remember doing gigs from when I was eleven. You know, whether it was on Wolf or Bernard's Watch or. Um, uh, what was the first thing I did? I can't remember what it was called now. Peak practice. Ah, um, Peak you know, practice. Yeah. Oh my God. Now you're talking. So from now you're talking exactly. <laughs> so from then on, I was kind of not used to a film set, but certainly yeah. wasn't the first time I'd ever been yeah. on one when I did Romeo Brass. Romeo mm. Brass, I genuinely thought was going to turn my life upside down. Um, 
you know, I, I was sort of like thinking, Julia Roberts, you better just, you know, <laughs> move out the way, I'm coming through. You're getting and, your um, acceptance, acceptance yeah, ready. I was Me. so ready. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> um, and it was, it turned out that it was like shown at six cinemas across the country or something. But in my head at 15, um, it was a very different experience. And mm. then... I did a few other little jobs. I did a job actually, which I don't think many people know, which was called Tough Love with um, Ray Winston and Adrian Dunbar. Oh, right. Hastings. Wow. And Hastings. And Hastings. And Adrian played my dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> yeah. How strange. So um, I did that when I was about 17. And um, anyway, so there's, there'd been bits and bats, but nothing, nothing in terms of. Um, you know, like Romeo Brass and Mrs. Mm. England, they were my first two big gigs, yeah. Jim, it's us again, and uh, we've got some big news. We have indeed. Giles, uh, I can't believe I'm saying this. We've written a book, a book about blank moments based on this very podcast. Yeah. We've been recording this podcast for a while now, and as we've been doing, we've realised that everyone has these difficult blank moments. All our wonderful guests that we have on the podcast and our listeners get in touch with us all the time to tell us about their own situations, their own experiences of blank moments. And sometimes that can be from a personal life, from their career, the relationships they're in, or maybe it's a public situation. Yeah, I mean... It really, it's one of those terms that can be applied to anything. Social anxiety, imposter syndrome, just sort of generally being off form, having an identity crisis. I mean, it's all part of the human condition. And yet we all get thrown off from time to time and sort of made to feel a bit helpless. Yeah, so the book is made up of all these different chapters that sort of concentrate on these various themes that come up in the pod. So whether it's uh, public failure, social anxiety, fear, mental health, grief, all the things that our amazing guests have talked about on the podcast. Yeah, I mean, and those guests include Louis Theroux, David Harbour, Reggie Hunter, Dawn French, Rachel Paris, Amanda Abington, John Ronson, Rufus Sewell, Gary Lineker, all these people that really opened up to us about these difficult moments. And what we've done is we've dived into them, um, explained how we relate to them, talked a little bit about our own experiences and almost gone on a journey of this discovering blank moments and how they've helped us. And we hopefully we take the reader on a journey with us. Yeah, there's loads of stuff in there for everybody, I think. It's a bit memoir, it's a bit self-help, and there's lots of interactive bits in there as well, so you can do your own gratitude list, and there's tips on uh, if you're having sleeping problems. So all different things that you can take out of the book. And where can people get hold of this book, Jim? Well, so it comes out in March in 2021, but it's available to pre-order right now from Amazon, waterstones.com, and hive.co.uk. Yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to everyone getting their hands on it. And uh, hopefully lots of people will be able to identify their own blank moments. And you never know what you might find out. And then you're sort of, sort of learning on the job, I guess, as you're doing it. And you're quite young, so it's all quite new. And I guess, and then you've got this incredible... You've got Shane Meadows' technique and process, which is different to anything else, and you're sort of learning at the same time. Must have been quite a lot sort of going on, quite eye-opening. Yeah, it was, and I think I was very lucky in that respect because, you know, it doesn't quite feel like... It's not that it doesn't feel like work, but 
Shane's great fun to work with. So you're having a laugh all day. Mm. You know, Romeo Brass mm. was just like, we shot it in Calverton, which is just up the road from me. It was, I was able to go home at night and, um, you know, we just had a really, really great time on it. And This Is England was the same. That was shot in Nottingham. Um, oh, a gang full of just brilliant people. Mm. And it just didn't really feel like a job. It just felt like the workshop because... That's what the workshop where I went in Nottingham, mm. I was there for 10 years. And so improvising didn't necessarily sort of scare me that much because yeah. we spent, you know, that was, that's what the workshop is sort of predominantly famous for being able to improvise. So I don't know, it didn't, there was times when I thought, oh, you know, maybe this is it. Maybe this is going to be my time and I'll be able to get a career out of this. But there was also that, I could see how hard it was. You know, I yeah. could see that it was like not going to be easy because some of the auditions that were coming through, um, even the dialogue, I was like, I don't understand what's going on here. Um, you know, the accents that they want you to sort of like just rustle up out of thin air. I'm like, I can't do that. You know, I'm not yeah. that, tra- we're not trained actors in that way. This isn't, um, if we did a play in at the workshop and they said, oh, you know, it's set in London. You just go and Ian would go, right, so you're all doing London accents and you just go to your bedroom at night and start talking like a Londoner in the hope <laughs> well, it sounded, <laughs> yeah, exactly, anything remotely like it. And, you know, you weren't tested on it. Yeah. Obviously, you try and improve it and make sure that it was, you know, he'd do his best, but it wasn't like coaching or anything. So, yeah, you were learning on the job, I guess. And we're a better place to learn. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose that's... Short films, I think, are really good for mm-hmm. people um, because you're working with people that are really passionate. There's no money involved. Once the money gets involved, oh, Jesus, that's mm. where the headache starts. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, budgets, everything's defined by time, location, budget, um, which is fine. But as an actor, you don't really want to be worrying about those things. You just want to work with people that can collaborate. And I did a lot of short films when I was younger. I was kind of... Yeah, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it because I just wanted experience and um, I wanted to learn. And I think short films were that because you're not, you know, everybody was kind of on the same wage, if you like, mm-hmm. um, just really passionate about doing it. And everyone was quite fresh. It's like whether it was sound, directing, writing, acting, uh, runners, whatever job they were doing, it was pretty much everybody's first gig. You can't compensate for a bit of enthusiasm, can you? You can't, honestly. It really does go a long way. And I find when you go on a job, say like Line of Duty, which has not lost its enthusiasm, you know, strangely, you'd think, oh, we've been going a long time now. We might Mm. feel a little bit tired and jaded by it, but we're not. We're very, you know, ridiculously hyperactive when we get there, just so glad to be back. But there's some jobs you go on, and if there's a youngster on that's kind of, less experienced and you know this might be their first maybe you know couple of gigs in they are so excited you're like i'm tired i've not eaten properly the schedule's not working in my favor um (laughs) and you know we're human like it's just the way it goes but it really does pump you back up because you go yeah you're young you're starting out of course you want to feel like excited by it you don't want to be surrounded by a load of moany actors (laughs) you know it's funny, actually. I've never thought about that that kind of being such a thing, but I suppose it is. I just suppose it is. 
Yeah. It's a um, it's a funny industry. It's a mm. funny industry. It's a great industry in lots of ways. Um, any industry is difficult to navigate. You know when this the thing with the with acting, I think, is it's so competition driven, mm. um, and that is what I think is is difficult for when you sort of coming up to it because it, it's weird now. You know, I talk as a as an actor that's established a career and you know that's something that has took me a while to actually come to terms with to admit because I just wanted to be so like oh you know kind of under the radar Mm. it's not you know it's not like I'm at that place you're always sort of comparing yourself to other people that are in the industry and going well that person's like way busier than I am and they're all over the papers and they're all here and they're all there and you know, it's very easy to quickly just put yourself in a pool with somebody and say, that's who I'm with. Um, and progressively, it's just got to that stage where I'm like, you know, I've established myself and I was so unestablished for so long. Um, and it wasn't that long ago. Mm. That's the kind of weird thing. So it hasn't lost me, but I'm also aware of of where I've come to. And so, you know, I understand people's fears in this industry um and that's why it's great that i think there's so many things that are being done now you know there's a lot of campaigning to make it a lot fairer um in all different ways and i try and do as much as i can really because you know it's got to be supported by those that are in it Mm -hmm. and sort of you know um yeah you've got to do your bit i was going to say um We've had, obviously had, we have quite a few actors come on here and, and some have gone to theatre school and some have had similar routes to you. Um, and one thing that's often, you know, I often ask it and it's often comes up is that you don't get, particularly with theatre schools, you don't always get taught that it's going to be really tough when you get out there. You know, actually, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know, it's kind of like, see you later, um, good luck. Yeah. Um, and then, but there's none of that kind of, it's not instilled in you that actually it's going to be really fucking hard when you get out there yeah, and, 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 totally. and and obviously you've had to tread that path you've you know it's been a difficult path for you to, to sort of establish yourself yeah and you know i wish they'd explain things to you like when you're younger about tax oh god yeah, you know, yeah like self-assessment and i'm not all. just talking about for my industry i'm talking about for everybody mm. like no you know when you're a kid you don't want to hear about what, who, where am I giving that money? Like, what am I doing with that? I've been paid yeah. it. I'm just going to spend it on whatever I like. Yeah. I'm, I've just worked really hard for that money, whatever it may be. Um, and I think it's a complex um, industry in terms of and what I've sort of found quite interesting in the past is, you know, right, you're going to do this job. Uh, this is how much they're going to pay you. And it's like, right, when am I going to get the money? Yeah. Because... If I worked in an office, which I did for so long, and I worked, you know, just in a normal kind of payee sort of situation, um, I was really aware as to when my bills were coming out and when I was getting paid and everything could just sort of tick along as it needed to. Whereas with this industry, I was like, I need it now. Like, my bills are coming out. Like, you can't... When's it coming? Um, And I think it goes the same for music and art and, uh, you know, creative industries. Um, That's always sort of at the start made me sort of like go what the hell is going on here like just pay me i've, I've done the job yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah 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 um 
So it's the boring stuff like that that people should be given, you know, whether it's from their agents or their drama schools or something, just, you know, just a little trickle of something. So they've got an idea of, of what it is and how it works. And, um, you know, but luckily my dad was, oh God, very, very sort of like from the get go on me, making sure that everything was being declared and all this kind of stuff was happening. And I was like, if I didn't have him there, I, you know, I could have been in trouble. Like you just, you don't want to get into that position where you're not sure about how you're dealing with it because it's so frigging complicated. Mm. I still don't get it. You know, I still don't. <laughs> I, I don't understand those kind of things. That's why people go to university and train to be accountants or to yeah. be, you know, whatever job it is they've got. They've worked hard to understand all that gubbins. I don't. No, me neither. Well, my my dad's literally an accountant and has been for, well, he's retired now, so a long time. And so when I went freelance, I was so lucky to have him help me do my self-assessment the first few times. But this most recent year, I went to log on to pay my self-assessment and every page had a different figure. Literally, every page was like, you've got to pay this. Oh, no. I was like, I'll, I'll check it on this one. Did my overview, different fee. Went back to the main page, different fee. I was like, what, which one? Do-? And even my dad couldn't work it out. And he's been an accountant for, what, 40, 50 years. It was so confusing. And I've been freelance almost 10 years now yeah even I still could really complex it's bad it's really complex and you know when you're at work you just want to focus on the work yeah exactly yeah yeah you know you don't want to sort of get bogged down with the sort of that kind of stuff you just you just want to do a job and do it well and enjoy it and not feel you know feel stressed out by the work not the stuff that surrounds it and that's what agents are there for you know that's what you've and as much as it's hard to get onto that ladder, um, once you've got that ladder, what I've always said to people is use them. You know, I used to be mm. scared to ring my agent. Yeah. I was frightened. There was this office in London and, you know, she was so well-spoken and, like, I'd ring up and I'd just think I was bothering them or um, I'd then ask, like, when am I getting paid? Because, you know, I'm now in my overdraft and, like... It was just those tiny little things. And now I just say to people, like, it doesn't matter if you've done one job and you add one word in the show, you can ring your agent. You can, you can, you've got to be able to say what you need to say and not try and feel afraid that, you know, you're getting in somebody's way. They've taken you on. They, they respect your, that your talent and, um, God, we're all so fear-driven, aren't we? It's just, yeah, it's madness. It's funny, I had this, I, I messaged, I emailed my agent yesterday to kind of ask her to do something for me. And um, I was so sheepish about it. I was like, don't mind if you haven't got time, I can do it. I like, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm really sorry to ask you to, you know, and it actually she's totally fine yeah. about doing it. Just like, But yeah, I know what you mean. It's, um, we are, we are incredibly fear-driven. I don't know if it's yeah. just a British thing, maybe, but I don't know. I'm just I'm a worrier. I'm just a constant worrier. I live on my nerves. I think you know one of them people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always, you know, I'll even worry about. There'll be. I'm sure they'll. I'll come off this call and walk away and go. Oh, I sounded like a dick, or you know something. You know something just to whack <laughs> yeah. into the fear part, just to stick with me for a bit. You know. Um, oh, I totally get you. I am. I think I'm. I'm a major yeah. worrier. Um, it drives me nuts. You know, whether it's about 
something and nothing or dying um yeah you know yeah. fluctuate yeah. from one thing to another and i think if you have a day where you've this is why i'm really looking forward to getting out of this because i'm looking forward to having such a distraction where i've just been with people for the whole day whether it's in a park having this picnic or whatever it mm. is that we can do i just feel like for that long period of time it will alleviate people for a bit to go oh didn't think about that for a while or <laughs> you know don't feel too panicked today i've just felt quite happy um yeah can't wait for that yeah i'm totally agree with you i'm i'm a terrible sufferer with anxiety and i think yeah like you say this this period of time has just allowed that to ferment quite a lot and um yeah needing to sort of yeah just be distracted from that well i mean things like this are a great distraction for me with, with regard yeah, to that me too, but yeah. I, I do get what you're saying about the sort of post match analysis that we do after we've had conversations with people <laughs> yeah. and think about like all the things we should have said differently or didn't want to say or said you know wrongly so i, I totally get you on that as well it's something i do all the time yeah no it's 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 um it's weird even i had a piece out with the times um and it's a big deal because i haven't had a i haven't done an interview for so long and you know, I'm aware that line of duty is like, you know, Building coming up. at yeah, some yeah. point and, mm. you know, you're kind of in people's minds. And I said to Johnny, well, you'll have to read it before me. Because, you you know, and as the, the journalist in question did a lovely job and, you know, I was I was actually happy with it. Mm. Um, but in your head, you're like, oh, that's going to, even that's going to make people think that or, and actually nobody knows any of us. No. This is no. the truth of it. This is the like the real truth. When you really strip everything away, it's like I'm as open as I can be on things like this and my social media and stuff. But, you know, no one's ever going to see like me and my natural sort of habitat, if you like, me and Johnny sitting down having a cup of tea at night and how that is. Like you just, yeah. you know, people don't really know each other as well as we think we do. And we all judge. Mm. And we've all been judged and it's weird because you go we all know how it feels um and I think Covid was a funny one with that judgment because you were hearing of people doing things that they shouldn't be doing and judging them for it and then you know the judgment felt like it was rampant do you know what I mean because everybody was in these sort of like rules and then you go well that person's going to see that person because they're in that bubble and it's mm. like you're trying to work out what everybody's situations are it's like don't i don't give a shit mm. <laughs> like yeah. get on with your own stuff keep your business to yourself um let's just let's just like leave everyone to the to their own devices <laughs> like um it's a tricky old world to navigate now and i think Social media is a brilliant place. I think it's a it's a very tricky place. Mm. Um, there's so much to contend with now. You know, as growing up when I was young was very different as um you know as it mm. was for you guys. Just a, a lot less complicated. A lot less complicated. 
Well, everyone. God, I sort of went off onto a weird no, no, but it's... Though, didn't I? <laughs> I was going to ask you about Johnny media. calls them wisdom shits. He's like, don't give me freaking wisdom shits. <laughs> wisdom shits. That's a brilliant thing. Um, yeah. No, but it's it's tricky. It's tricky for all of us to sort of navigate, particularly with social media. You know, we're in creative fields. Yeah, it comes up a lot. On um, the we're in creative fields, and you know, we're we're sensitive souls. I think creative people. I've got generally. to say, Giles, you are. Without a shadow of a doubt, the most positive person I follow on my Twitter and now my Instagram. Oh, well, thank um, you. No, it's true. It's like your Friday shout outs and just your general sort of like positivity, spreading kindness all the time. It stands out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It really does stand out. You're kind of aware that you've got somebody on your side. And it's um, it's a lovely thing. I wish there was more of it. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I was going to say, and um, weirdly, it shouldn't it shouldn't stand out because it should be something that everyone does all the time. But unfortunately, social media is full of a lot of judgment and toxicity, and mm. and so actually, we do need more Gileses in the world doing <laughs> oh, this kind of that. thing. Well, it's true. <clears throat> it's true. You know, well, it's very kind of you to say. I'm very touched. Um, but yeah, I mean, it is like you know, like I say, we we're in creative fields and we get people's opinions a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure you, you know, yeah, I'm sure I mean, you get that a lot with, you know, the work you do. Well, you're going to get criticised, aren't you? Um, that's what the critics are there for. And like we were talking about earlier, um, if you want me to keep bringing it back to football, I don't mind. <laughs> yes. um, because if you think of like a player on a pitch, you know, you're being criticised by thousands of people when mm. you've just missed that ball or you missed the touch or whatever it might be. You know, you're going to hear that. Like, it's going to be loud and right mm. there. And it's a, you know, it's a similar kind of thing in this industry, I guess, when um, a show doesn't go down as you expected or whatever, and the critics um, will pull you up on it. I'd be lying if I said there's times when I think, when you go, oh, I'm not, it doesn't affect me, I can mm. brush it off. Um, it won't affect me for long, put it that way. I'll kind of, you know, you'll say your piece and have your moment with it, but you've got to let it go. It doesn't really fucking matter. Mm. That's the kind yeah. of truth of it. Um, because they'll move on to something else. Yeah. You know, it's always yeah. it's always going to move on to something else or someone else. Um, and I just hate the thought of it affecting people to the point where it it affects their mental health. Mm. You know, it it's not it's not got to that for me where it's affected my mental health in that way where I've kind of felt like, um, you know, it's took me down a bad road. I've been angry or I've been pissed off or I've felt like, you know, upset about things. But, you know, I'm upset when other things happen or I get angry about other things. It can't all boil down to, to that. And I've always tried to say to people as much as I can, like, you should take your job seriously. You should work hard. You do have to make sure that... Um, you know, you give it everything you've got and you be passionate, but it's not everything. Mm -hmm. Because if all of a sudden they said to me, for whatever reason, Vicky, you're not going to work anymore. What am I going to do? Sit and wallow in it? Like mm -hmm. not work again on anything? Um, you get up and you get a job, you you move forward, you you move in, a, in whatever direction it's sending you in. Um, it can't be the be all and end all because then you know, your expectations are so high and it's not like I, it's a funny one, isn't it? You kind of, if you're half empty, half full, it's like, what does that say about you? But 
I think that's why I, I spoke about this in the Times the other week about America, and it's not that I've got anything against it. I mean, God, if somebody offered me a Hollywood role, um, of course I'd take it. I'd be buzzing working with uh, the people in your film that you said earlier. <laughs> I can't remember what, Paul Rudd? <laughs> yeah. And Jason exactly. Segel. That, that, that other guy. Yeah. Um, I'd be all up for that. I, I mean, love you, man, too. But... They're, they're going to call soon. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. Um, but in the same breath, I've I've stood in so many queues now yeah. with uh, trying to get work over here. I kind of can't bear the thought of doing it in America because that is just going to be a whole pool of a load more rejection um, because, it, because evidently it is, isn't it? Yeah. I can't see me going over there and all of a sudden just like nailing every meeting I get. Um and I'm really happy with the jobs that I've got. Mm. So I kind of go, if I put my expectation to, right, when I finish in this industry, by the time I've retired, I've got to have made a Hollywood movie because that is the pinnacle in the majority of people's sort of eyes, if you like. If you've made it to an A-lister, you know, that's it, you're top of the class. If that's the expectation and I don't get it, then what? I die thinking I've failed. Mm. Mm. Um, that's really dramatic, I know, but I'm an actor, so I'm It's that kind of mentality where I just go, no, I, like for me, just working on decent stuff with decent people, mm. like I've won. Happy days. Yeah. It's it's gratitude, isn't it? And we this comes up on the podcast a lot. And, you know, yes, we're in competitive industries and it's really hard not to compare yourself to people, but being grateful for what you've had and what you've got and yeah. what you've achieved and be able to recognize that and you know and as as you're saying a minute ago being able to let it go you know it turns out it's not just an annoying disney song it's actually a, a really poignant bit of life advice being able to let stuff go is really freeing yeah and powerful and it feels like a weight off your shoulder and then it frees up time to concentrate on stuff you want to do rather than worrying about other stuff but i think it comes but, with age though well it has for yeah, me mm. and that's yeah, the, the difficulty is that I think what we're all trying to, well, from what from where I'm standing, the majority of us are trying to sort of heave home the message to the youngsters all the time. We're constantly wanting, especially now, especially all this shit they've gone through mm-hmm. and, you know, the lack of interaction and education and stuff. It's been horrific. So we're all trying to, like, G them up to go, don't worry about this and don't worry about that and work hard at that, but, you know, still try and strive and still do follow your dreams but don't worry if it's like whoa yeah yeah no, yeah, yeah so much yeah. to so yeah. many sort of like contradicting messages in some ways <laughs> yeah. but yeah. um it's only when you've experienced it and sadly you've just got to go through it you've got to go through some of that um the winning and the losing streak to figure out who it who it is you are and how you can deal with it and if you're lucky enough you've got a supportive you know, bunch of people around you, whether that's your mates or your family or a bloody stranger or a teacher, whoever it is, that influence, you've that's the person you've got to kind of hold on to and um, listen to them. You know, it's, it's hard to listen nowadays. That's one thing that I think we find um, difficult. It's noisy. It's, just, it's, it's noisy. It's so noisy yeah. and distracting everywhere yeah. with social media and phones, like... You know, there's nothing worse than talking to somebody while they're looking at the phone. You just want to smack them. Yeah, I, do, I do that. I do that. On, only do on that the only on the leg or the arm. Yeah, yeah. Light smacking. It's just it's that, isn't it? It's mm. the, the lack of people being able to take it in and 
hear what somebody else is actually trying to say because they don't say exactly what it is they mean. Um, yeah, we need to do more of that. Mm, yeah. What What are you like in those moments of rejection? I mean, I know it's a hard question to probably answer, but does uh, it like does it linger for long, or, or can you can you get through it fairly swiftly? I think I can get through it fairly swiftly now. Um, I mean, you know, if I'm being really honest, it's like my jobs have been, I've been lucky these past Mm. five years. It's not been heavily rejected jobs because I've been lucky enough to have um, offers, you know, Mm. which back in the day was just not a thing. Like, you know, that, that wasn't expected. Um, you know, and I just want to be really transparent and not like try and, you know, find a sad story for the sake of no, it. No, no. Like the last yeah, yeah. the last sort of this period in my career has been brilliant. So I've not had to feel so rejected. But before then, um I think I'm just thick skinned anyway. Mm. I think it's I think it's kind of inbuilt in me a little bit through, you know, my mum and my dad and you know, just the sort of people I've had around me have always been, it's fine, don't worry about it, get over it. It'll be, you know, it's, you know, it's not that kind of um, pull yourself together. Mm. You know, it's not t- tough love to the point where people don't recognise that that's really shit what's just happened. But um, talk about it, talk mm. about it a bit more, get really angry, let it go. Yeah. Um, mm. And that's where it's, that's where it's always kind of been for me. And I think, you know, we, we are that, well, I am, I'm sure I've probably like got rid of those thoughts. You know, they're the ones that are pushed back to the the very back where you're like, oh, I don't want to remember all that feeling. That was not nice. So I'll just push all that to the back of my mm. head where I don't need to think about, you know, the severe rejection or the constant. No, that didn't go your way, Vicky. They really like, oh, fuck it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> don't want to know the bullshit. I just want to know... <laughs> Why? And this is the other thing. I'd love it. I mean, it's impossible, I'm sure, because they get through so many people. They can't mm. write you a report. Do you know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not like parents' evening. Um, but yeah, there's there's been jobs where I've worked so hard, and you know, you've really put the graft in um, for an audition for something you're not even aware if you're going to do it or not. But you know, that's the that's the part of the job. And then when you don't get it, you're like, but why? Yeah. I thought I was perfect for that. I thought that was like written in the stars for some reason. Um, and in some ways you want to find out and go, sorry, can you just like tell me why? But you can't. So you never, you sort of walk away never really knowing, which is sometimes tough. Well, we've had... I think that's worse. Yeah, yeah, it's worse. Um, and, and something, um, a friend of the pod, Dan Chute, who's an, an actor, said that um, he doesn't mind, actually, he doesn't mind the rejection. It's being ignored that he hates. And that when oh, you just don't don't tell you, don't tell you, you know, and and I and yeah. I totally get that, like that, just not being informed at all when you're just sort of lingering and 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 so yeah, even a step simpler than that. I think it's got that. to a point. Yeah, I think it's got to a point where they've that's been the way it's been for so long. It's yeah, you know, the, that's yeah. just like part of the course. But you know, maybe it's changing a little bit. I do think there is. Um, with certain casting directors that you know I'm really familiar with, I'm aware that they're good people and that they're not out to make people feel any worse than they're already going to because yeah. they haven't got the job. But we can't 
constantly put an arm around everybody no, because it's impossible not. for us to do that. So again, it's that um, hoping that you've got somebody with you that's going to be there to support you when you've not got it. Um, and knowing that the rejection's part of it, like it's it's just the way it's going to be. We're not going. There's not enough jobs. Mm. If you look at all the jobs yeah. that we've got, and then the amount of actors that we've got, the maths just doesn't add up. Like there isn't enough jobs for all the actors. So therefore, mathematically, if this is the sort of if this works <laughs> for your brain better, it's just never going to be the case where every job you go for is going to is going to go your way. Um, mm. But that doesn't mean that. You know, you might meet a casting director and it doesn't go your way, but then you've been locked into their brain because they've got this other project that they think you'd be perfect for. That's great. This is what we've got to do. We've got to do, we've got to find people that we, we want to work with. And we've, um, it is kind of who you know, not what you know mm. in this industry. Um, sadly, there's, you know, no pies at the minute. No work in the room. <laughs> <laughs> work, work in the, the Zoom. Room. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! Work in the Did zoom. I just say that? Kill me now! Amazing. Work in the Zoom. <laughs> That's a podcast oh title, there, isn't it? Work Honestly, in the zoom. I'm not funny. I don't get jokes. I can't remember jokes. I can't tell jokes. In fact, I did a meet a interview with Martin Comston yesterday, and he said Vicky's always just on the sort of like cusp of funny. <laughs> never quite gets there and that's apparently what makes me funny but that is my first ever joke is that a joke it's Can a brilliant I joke Jim? I, I laughed yeah, yeah. I, I laughed yeah I thought it was... <laughs> I can't believe we witnessed your first ever joke wow what a moment for the podcast oh my god what a moment for my life I know you'll <laughs> yeah. never forget this day <laughs> I mean talking about line of duty I mean that looks like you guys have an incredible amount of fun making it did you have any inkling that it was going to be as big as it's been no, you never do. You never, I mean, I don't know how you'd know. No. Even if it's mm. a film um, with massive stars in it, if you hit the wrong time, uh, you know, you can never predict what's going to happen and how people are going to react to things. So we had no idea, really. Um, we all felt it was a really great script and I thought the casting was interesting. Mm. I was like, I kept thinking like... That guy Neil played my dad once. <laughs> Like that play, that guy played my dad, Neil Morrissey. I'm sure he's an, a comedy actor. Yeah, I'm sure he's in Men Behaving Badly. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'll find yeah. out when I get to the read through. Um, you know, Lenny James, mm. like from Snatch. I was just like, what is this? And then Martin Comston, and you know, I just found the casting to be incredible because it was really unique. It was, mm. it wasn't obvious. It was um, well thought out. And it's been like that ever since. I think they're really clever with their casting. Um, and, you know, from people that you've never heard of um, or who aren't quite, haven't quite broken through yet, mm. are given big, chunky parts of, you know, sort of given a good, a good chunky part, which is great. So I was always really pleased to be a part of it and sort of a bit gobsmacked that they were allowing me and Martin to head up a BBC cop drama. I was like, okay, sure, sure. <laughs> we'll give this a go. Um, and we all just got on very quickly, had an amazing time making it. And then it was only really when it moved over to BBC One that things really started to change. Mm. And I just don't know what, I mean, it just turned into what it turned into and I just can't believe it. You know, I sit in my, I'm a TV watcher, um, so I am one of the people that will have 
the telly just on in the background and if you hear your voice or you hear an advert or something it still makes me turn around and go i'm in that that's (laughs) major like the way they're talking about it on telly like gripping you know television of the decade just stuff that they're saying just go how on earth have i banged that gig like (laughs) it's still you know i'm you talk about gratitude i genuinely like have it in bucket loads with with that um it doesn't pass me by at all so long may it continue because we we have a really really good time on it well it's highly deserved because you're you're all brilliant um you know it's it's, and it's like i say you can sort of you know i've seen some of your videos that you've posted on 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 social media and stuff and it's clear that you guys have a oh, you know you get... are you talking about the tiktok yeah, well, might be, might be. <laughs> <laughs> but you clear... that was so funny yeah. that day um we was just in we was i can't remember we must have just been like i don't know on AC, in ac12 or somewhere and i'd seen this like one where there was these um bin men and they were doing it with that song and i was like oh that's quite funny because it doesn't require anything to learn because I kept trying to get them to do other ones and they were like, we're not doing it. <laughs> so I just went into Aidy's green room and said to Martin, I'll come in. And then I just propped my phone up and put that on. And they were, and you can see Martin like going, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what's going on? Aidy obviously just got straight yeah. involved. He loves it. Mover and Groover. And um, we, you know, it wasn't like I did a second take and then I just thought, oh, I'll put this on for a laugh. And then it became a thing because yeah. we were like, we're nearly at a million. <laughs> you know, it's like, it just went, it, it was weird. Yeah. Great fun though. That's brilliant. But I mean, it's clear that you, you know, you guys obviously really enjoy working with one another, you know, and that's such a wonderful thing about, I guess, working in a, you know, obviously doing a long, a long, um, a series that's been going on for a long time, but you've got, you've got that family, you know, that, that, that family, which is, uh, you know, we talk to another, a lot of actors and say that that is one of the best things about being an actor is that family that you make. Yeah, and you're working away most of the time. Yeah. So that's the hardest part of the job for me. Um, you know, the being away from home mm. and then the learning the lines. That's like, they're the two toughest, <laughs> two of the toughest parts. So on line of duty, when the lines are as hard as they are, yeah. um, and being away from my family and being a plane ride away because we shoot in Belfast, having them there and living sort of next door to each other in our apartments um, makes it all completely possible mm. and, you know, gets you through it. Um, this year, because obviously we shot, we started shooting in February 2020 and then got shut down, obviously in March. When we came back to shoot in August, we weren't told like it was categorical, you know, you categorically can't go back home for a break, but I didn't want to. Mm. I was like, I don't fancy getting on a plane. Like, I don't mind getting on a plane to get there and getting on a plane to get back, but I don't fancy sort of like, you know, risking it all that many times. So I was out there for three months, which is the longest I've ever spent away from home. Um, Yeah, and it was, it was really tough, Mm. but it wasn't as tough as, you know, being on a job where you don't really know people. Um, You're with your family in that kind of way that, you know, we have built that. So I didn't mind doing it as long as I got all my stuff with me, you know, and mm. I could sort of like set up home and FaceTime. Oh my God, where would we be? Like, like that was just a godsend. So got through it because, because we look after each other. Yeah. Nice to have that work family. It's really, I mean, 
doesn't happen a lot i'd imagine a lot of people don't have it in any job so another one another thing to be grateful i guess for for having those people that you can get on with and that can be like family and probably makes the job more fun as imagine as well and but yeah it is lucky, i mean you, it? it is lucky it's um you know i was talking to martin yesterday on this issue on this um interview we was doing and the interviewer said oh you know i'm going to ask you like to ask each other is there anything you want to ask each other that you've never asked each other before and martin asked me what i'd like you know if he'd ever piss me off or something Ooh, like that's that. that's a tricky one. Like, oh, that's a bit of a tricky question. But the um, pretty on the spot. The, yeah, but the, the the sort of reality of it is, is like, of course we have. Yeah. Of course we've yeah. pissed each other off. Like, it'd be wrong of me to try and shine a light on something for people listening to this. For me to be like, oh, we just never yeah. like that's <laughs> never happened. They'd be like, that is a lie. <laughs> but it's in the same way that it is with family. It's never something that's been so bad that it's not repairable. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I might have not had any sleep that night. He might not have had, you know, with like loads of lines to learn. You get to set, you're knackered. There's a lot going on. You know, it it could be anybody um, that, you know, got got you a bit pissed off for whatever reason. Like, oh, we're, we're human beings. Um, yeah. And it's, it's just funny because I think people would assume that that would be a big drama, but it's not. It's just mates. Yeah. And yeah. we are such good mates that you laugh about things. You know, you can have a laugh. And if anything, Aidy gets the brunt of it. He's the one who <laughs> has to put up with me and Martin acting like a pair of school kids around him. Um, did you, on that question... There is, there's a perfect Sorry, dynamic. Vicky, on that question, did you have, did you go, hmm, let me think about this? Or did you answer straight away? No, I said, hmm, let me think about this. Because <laughs> okay. I really wanted to, like... Which one can I? One yeah, which through. one can I think? Which one can I say? <laughs> yeah, there's so many. <laughs> but then he, then I asked the question to him and I was like, so what's mine? You know, come on and... He, he was saying that basically I kind of try and run their lives when I get there. Oh, okay. I'm like, right, so we're going to do this. Then we're going to, I'm like uber organized. I like to yeah. be, Martin will just turn his phone off and just be like, no, I'm just going to ignore her. <laughs> <laughs> and then AD will be like, oh God, all right, fine. Like what time are we meeting? <laughs> um, and I'm sure that's really irritating, um, but I'm aware of it. So it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you deal with it's it it's fine I'm aware of it he turns his phone off <laughs> that's amazing no, they're great we have a we have a you know we're very lucky well we've been very lucky today to speak to you thank you so much for your oh, time no I'm glad Vicky. we made this happen no no yeah, I'm, it's, it's so brilliant. lovely to talk to you you know it's um it's a real privilege um I have to say and obviously a huge fan of your work and um you as a person so thank you so much same to you guys i've really enjoyed this i'm gonna go and panic now about what i've said no, it's been, possibly it's nothing to panic know. about i promise you <laughs> it's been perfect it's been amazing oh nice one guys yeah. well listen you know i hope you uh hope you have a lovely day in the sunshine yeah and thank I hope you when things yeah, start to open up you enjoy it yeah it's not hopefully not too far away, is it? Really, in theory. I mean, no. I don't know about it this road feels map, like it's coming, doesn't it? It's coming. It's tantalizingly yeah. close, isn't it? But um, yeah. yeah, there'll be pushbacks. There'll be dates where they think, "Oh, that's too early," and they'll push stuff back. But better to be, yeah. I think better to be safe than sorry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, which is fine. Mm. But, yeah, yeah. We could get hopefully getting there. 
More importantly, if you could find out the name of the juggling man, that would be because I'm going to lose. Yeah, I, me that. too. Okay. Me too. I'm I'll really concerned you. about that, and I don't want to interrupt him while he's. Juggling and also, I, I don't want to put him off. I haven't but... thought of a name for your other duck either. I'm afraid. Oh, oh shit! Yeah, that really passed me by. Anyway, yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh well. It's just out there. We know. We'll, we'll come it's to it. It's out there. We could. Yeah, people can comment. Yes, we'll get, we'll get listeners our to listeners comment, to yeah. come up with a name. Brilliant <laughs> us, idea, yeah. fantastic, okay. yes. Leave it to them. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant, thank you so much. No, thank Thanks, you, Vicky. Vicky. It's so lovely to talk to you. And you, nice one. Cheers, Charles. Cheers, Jim. All right. All right. See you later. See you. Bye. 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 There you go, Vicky McClure on the blank podcast. Charles is doing some lovely sort of, sort of waving like he's at a gig, and it's a slow number. Yeah, um, it was. I'd need a lighter or something, maybe. But no, it was like swaying, yeah. swaying. I don't know who I was listening to. Uh, well, I was listening to our music. Yeah, our beautiful, yeah. our beautiful uh, theme music. I, I actually think that's. I really like that little sting, the little acoustic, acoustic one. Yeah, it's one of my favourite bits. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, anyway, uh, shout out to Paul so, Pilot. The yes, wonderful yes. composer of that music. Massive shout out to Paul Bartley. Yeah, I always forget to give. We should really be shouting out Paul on most episodes, shouldn't mm. we? Seeing he uh, does the music for it, but um, what a legend he was, um, or is, <laughs> still is. Um, anyway, Vicky, what a fantastic oh, guest! It was fantastic. I love talking. To, I could talk to Vicky for hours, to be honest. It's like talking to an old mate, isn't it? Definitely yeah. that yeah. feel, like just so chilled and um, just so lovely to talk to and and easy going and yeah just lovely and and we you know we we talked about some sort of you know deeper things as well it wasn't just you know about um about work it was you know more difficult times where you know like rejection and things obviously in all our industries is a, is a, a thing that's kind of a, a normal occurrence so um it was good yeah. to hear sort of vicky's thoughts on all those sort of things as well yeah it was it was quite inspiring to hear the way she's sort of been able to sort of throw stuff off and let stuff go the bad stuff you know i think we can all do that a bit better and it was you know refreshing to hear her say that that as she got older that was something that became sort of easier to do um doesn't mean that it you know it still doesn't hurt sometimes but uh yeah i think that's quite inspiring to hear that from her and i'm trying every day to be better at letting stuff go it little not even just big work stuff that's like little little things in the day that annoy me just trying to little let it go take a breath and then move on because there's always something else to do there's always something you know you can use your time doing better so but uh yeah it was in, it was it was interesting hearing her say that um so yeah thank you vicky for just yeah brilliant fantastic it was a, fantastic guest and yeah yeah it's, we just get so lucky with the people on this podcast that we get to talk to they're always always lovely always insightful and always fun to be around and then they always bring up football so you know really what <laughs> they tick all the boxes no yeah. it was it was a it was a genuine privilege to talk to vicky so um always been a huge fan of her work so um you know it's lovely to have a proper conversation with her so thank you um if you'd like to get in contact with the podcast uh either tweet us an episode you've enjoyed or let me know uh, a name for the third duck at the pond um our twitter account is at blank pod um, we're also on instagram and facebook as well if you prefer those platforms and that is the exact same handle 
at blank pod and we also have an email address if you'd like to email us uh for whatever reason and you want to get in contact we'd love to hear from you our email address is the blank podcast 2018 at gmail.com it is indeed and we would absolutely love to hear from you uh and that's it Charles, for another episode i know they, they're just we're just racking them up aren't we we are We've, what's this like 108 or something now yeah we're just well on the way to 200 yeah before you know it i haven't Hopefully been able to get we'll in touch with of... the obamas the, the yet unfortunately but i'm working yeah on. i have seen there's a bit of a twitter campaign going on isn't there to get yeah. <laughs> to get the people started tagging them in get the obamas on the blank podcast it will happen i mean that would be amazing yeah episode 3000 they'll be on yeah hopefully what, what i'm aiming for with episode 200 is that we're out of lockdown by episode 200 oh i'm sure we will to be. life sure i hope so be. yeah i i'm sure we will be as well but you know you never know how these things go but yeah by 200 we're out of lockdown we're back in the nordic bar you know we're having we're having uh um coffees and donuts from ah oh, uh, Qu- crosstown is it crosstown bakery i can't remember yeah, what it's called the one the love corner. those donuts you know and we're just being out and about and and getting to meet people and see people and you know joel can come out of his office and tell us what he thought of the latest episode you know just getting back to just seeing people that's that's what i want for episode 200 that's lovely that's a lovely image down in the nordic bar yeah. of our donuts such great perfect donuts. if anyone else wants to you know sponsor the anyone that makes donuts want to sponsor the podcast and send us donuts that'd be great love way, it just, love it just put it out crispy cremes if you're involved Anyone listening? Them, if anyone from Crispy Crumbs is listening, or any other donut manufacturers for yeah. that matter, send us donuts. Yeah, we will eat them live on air. It'd yeah. be bad for listener, be awful <laughs> audio, but we will do it. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. <laughs> uh, have I a mean, great week. I mean, any confectionery really it doesn't have to be donuts. Yeah, open it out. I'll, I'll yeah. take anything. Um, do you know what I haven't had in ages that I used to really like? Uh, jelly, jelly belly, jelly belly, jelly beans. Oh, I'll. Everything all right? <laughs> oh no! What's ah, happening? The fire alarm was going off. Thought oh it was God! A... It's all right. It's bacon. Oh, okay. All right. Always <laughs> sets the fire alarm off. <laughs> wow, a bit of drama, right? Oh, no, God, I was like, shit. There's... I can smell something. Oh, but I've got to finish this link. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just hold the fire off for thirty <laughs> seconds. We need to finish the pod. <laughs> Luckily, um, everyone's okay. Okay, good. All right. Oh, yeah. thank God for that. Mm. Blimey. Okay, well, I'm going to let you go and, and sort out the bacon. Thank you. Um, but again, anyone that wants to send us sweets, please do. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> no one's listening at this point. <laughs> to the to the five people that are still listening, yeah. have a great week. Please stay safe and take care of yourself. Get out and see the sunshine if you can. Um, and we'll see you next week on The Blank Podcast. Take care of yourselves. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. 
products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is a Blast Box Media Podcast.